Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Welcome once again to Grief and Rebirth Podcast, whose mission is to educate, enlighten, and provide healing choices through interviews with grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and people who have inspiring stories to share. I'm Irene Weinberg, the creator and host of Grief and Rebirth Podcast, with a loving reminder that you can see the full show notes and all Grief and Rebirth Podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Fasten your seatbelts, everyone, because today's interview is going to grab your heart and amaze you. Araya Mirza is a unique and special person who personally knows how healing can change a person's life. Not only did Araya courageously walk herself out of tremendous pain, trauma, and suffering, but she now also helps people start their own healing practice and reprogramming journey. Araya who is a modern-day shaman, trauma life coach, and a speaker, is married to the trans channel and psychic medium Riz Mirza. She is also the author of a book called The Little Book of Sanity, which sounds like something we all need to read. Mariah, welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I'm a person who's done much healing throughout my own life, so I'm very much looking forward to hearing how you found healing for yourself as well as how you now teach others to reprogram their pain by understanding it. Let's begin our interview with this question. Araya, you've had a long journey through much trauma and distress to get to the inspiring place of healing where you are today. Please touch on some of your personal life stories that illustrate the heart-rending traumas you have overcome. Well, thank you, Irene, for having me on your show. You are so inspiring. And like I told you earlier when we were talking, um, I actually cried on your story uh, because you are just amazing. So thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so honored to be here. Um, But yes, I'd like to answer this question. So I I kind of broke it down into bullet points. Um, I was raised in Hollywood, California. Uh, My dad was a high school dropout and my mom was from... Honduras and was learning English for the first time and she came from a lot of trauma in her own life and for some reason my uh, my dad decided to join a cult and I was raised in a cult until I was 18. Uh, I was I was excommunicated I should take it back I was excommunicated when I was 16 because I kept trying to stand up to uh, the elders and and question their their beliefs but it was a very you know harsh lifestyle in the sense of like I had no television and I had no connection. I mean, the outside world, it was like, I couldn't really be a part of it. And I couldn't dress the way everybody else dressed and I couldn't do normal activities. So I was bullied a lot in school. And then my dad just moved around a lot like a military kid, but without the military part. 
So I don't know why he had to move around so much, but I lived in every kind of situation from trailers to RVs to hotel rooms to apartments, houses. I've been to high schools four in one semester. Um, Just a ton of moving by the time I was 18. And I got married young and I had three kids. But by then I had already uh, been date raped. I've had and been raped several times um, and accosted living in the inner cities. And being very innocent, I uh, started experiencing violence at a young age. And I had uh, three children by the time I was 23. And my um, first husband decided, you know, we needed to make more money. We weren't cutting it. Uh, He was trying to go back to school. And he put me in dancing, which I didn't know what it was. But I became a stripper. And uh, I immediately left him uh, devastated and horrified and traumatized. And then... uh, I tried to make it on my own and I continuously kept getting violently um, sexually abused and I uh, then my dad died and then I was alone. I was an only child. So uh, I was trying to raise my kids and then I got married again. And then those marriages were just, I had got married three more times and I had two more children in the course of up until I was 36. And um, I was fighting for my mental sanity by the time I was 30. I was, um, I had gone, you know, I had many different professions, but to make a living, but I was fighting for my kids because my first husband was so angry that I left him, that he took my kids from me. And I spent um, 13 years in courts, dragging him through the court system, suffering from parental alienation as my children uh, were being brainwashed against me. And I was a victim times a victim times a victim. So it was like, once I was a victim, I got victimized again, and then I got victimized again. And then I was more victimized and the more victimized I got the worse I became. So I was like that movie with Charlize Theron called Monster. I was turning into a monster because I was being abused so bad and I was victimized so deeply by so many people that I uh, was becoming vicious to protect myself and and my relationship with my children. And I was like like a mad, like it was like I had mad cow disease. Like I was just so, I mean, the PTSD was so out of control that I was diagnosed so many times and I'd walked into mental institutions asking them to please take me. I wanted to commit suicide. I drank for 13 years straight morning to night just to survive it. Um, I went into the dark side of Hollywood in Vegas. Um, I was making money, but just to take care of my children. Um, I didn't know how to communicate. I had never spent time learning how to communicate to anyone because no one ever spent the time with me. So I felt very kind of abandoned. And um, my family did their best to try to help me, but I was too much for them. I was too much for everyone. I was kind of like an outcast. Uh, People didn't know what to do with me. Um, I was aggressive. I was expelled from high school because I was too violent, because I was being bullied so bad. I learned to fight, and then I became more vicious and more violent than the people there. And I, I would steal like I stole a knife from somebody who raped me, and I carried that knife with me and had to pull it out many times. I lived in the dark side of life. I, um, you know, my story is, is all too familiar for too many people. Unfortunately, it's not as extreme to some people who could be listening are like, yeah, that sounds like a normal life to me. Unfortunately, that is the case. I mean, my, there's other stories are more extreme than my story. Uh, but what I suffered from was I started going crazy. I started actually losing my mind. By the time I was 30, I was talking to myself. I had twitches. I had nervous disorders. Uh, My PTSD was so bad. If I went in public, I would cry at the grocery store. I would cry at the bank teller. I would cry when I was driving. I didn't know why I was alive. I'd have shaking fits. 
I'd be curled up in a fetal position under the dining room table, crying and begging for somebody to save me. And my mom thought she had to call the 911. She didn't know what to do. Uh, my mom, you know, she constantly tells me I've put her through so much. And all I have to say is that I felt like I was at the end of a stick and just being constantly beat. And so I felt like I became a monster for my abusive life. And I didn't understand why nobody knew that. And nobody knew how to help me. Nobody knew how to pull me out. Nobody knew how to talk to me. Nobody knew how to say, I'm sorry that you are experiencing all this. Can I help you? I didn't have anyone strong enough in my life who could say that. They would just stick drugs and alcohol in my face to numb the pain. So I didn't know. I didn't have any resources. I didn't know where to go. Um, I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't believe in God anymore. Um, I couldn't move in with my family members. I, I divorced my last husband at 36. That was my fourth husband. And some of the marriages lasted up to seven years where I really tried. Uh, and for one reason or another, it just, I couldn't make that marriage work. And um, I just, you know, I just launched out on my own and I just said, I have one shot left. I remember I had long, dark hair that I had never dyed or anything. It was like, I grew it for seven years. It was very long, dark hair. And I was very proud of my hair. And that when I divorced my ex-husband, I, the first thing I did was went to the salon and sat in a chair for seven hours and they just dyed it blonde. And I did that as a symbol for myself that I need to give myself one last shot. And by then I had already done seven years of landmark education, learning the study of how you create your reality. And I really didn't like a lot of the things they said because they were saying that I created my life. And I did not feel that I created my life. I felt it was the last thing I did. And I wanted to recreate my life, but I did definitely did not want to take responsibility for any of the abuse or victimization that I've experienced. That was outrageous to me. It was very painful to hear that from any, especially people who consider themselves experts and people trying to help me regain balance in my life. So that is the beginning journey of how I started to pull out is when I started going to Landmark. And Landmark is just like a experiential kind of motivational consulting I've been kind to of Landmark. organization. I've yeah. been to Landmark. So I can yeah, tell they used to be called S in the 70s. Yep. And the thing, the interesting thing about it is because they taught you something which you did not believe in. And so by, so by hearing that, you started to define um, that that was not the way for you. And Well, when I was in Landmark, I just got very angry. I got very, very angry. I was like, wait a minute. So I'm a victim and you're telling me I created all of this pain and suffering. You're telling me that I created my kids being taken from me, being put up on a stage, uh, my, you know, everything. Like you're telling me I created that. So I was, I was very, very, very angry. It wasn't to the end that I started, started to settle down and I realized I was, I was with them for seven years. Uh, I started to realize what they were getting at is they were trying to tell me if I want any kind of power and to get out of victimization, I had to start standing a little taller and realize I have some say. And that's when I started realizing that I didn't have any values, self-value, because I was never taught that. So I was never taught I had any self-value. I was taught I'm here to serve or I'm here to take care of others or like, just take it, just take just be a punching bag, be a body, like my body was just so used. So I was like, okay, that's what I'm here for. So I didn't have any idea of self. I didn't know what it meant to have value. And I have four daughters and a son. 
and they're looking at me and my heart was racing all the time, trying to figure out how I'm supposed to teach them not to be like me, but at the same time to be like better and try to help them be better. So I had to constantly be improving so I can understand how to help them. And if it wasn't for my children, I could, I would not have made it because they were the reason I strived forward to try to be better all the time. Wow. That's so, quite the story kiddo. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so you would say what the, the, the was, so that last stroke that pulled you out of severe trauma and PTSD was landmark or landmark started your journey. That started the journey. I was still pretty hot and bothered. <laughs> I felt like, I felt like somebody had disturbed the hornet's nest and I was still pretty irritated about everything. Um, I, I, at that point I had started my own business. I learned how to do that through that organization. I learned how to become an entrepreneur, thankfully. And I was working with my husband as a film producer and I started becoming more professional and getting more respect through my profession, which was very helpful, but I was still very, very dangerous to myself and others. In other words, like, um, if somebody crossed me the wrong way, I would get in their face. I was very confrontational. It's the exact opposite personality of the one I was when I was growing up. The girl I knew growing up was very peaceful and very calm. And even through my crazy circumstances, I was a very peaceful, relaxed child. And I wasn't a high strung kid and um, I, I had a lot of, you know, um, energy to like play, but I wasn't, I wasn't uh, upset or disturbed as a kid. So that was my baseline. I always remembered that. So here I was confrontational here. I was in people's faces and that wasn't me. And I knew it wasn't me and I couldn't figure out how to get back to me. And, you know, it's funny um, to segue out of that really quick. I've helped people who have never had good positive childhood memories right. at all. And, you know, that's why I don't really even talk about my childhood too much. Uh, because when I say I've had a peaceful childhood in, internally, they don't, they, many people don't know what that is. They, they started, their abuse started in the crib or the, it started at three years old. Like they don't have memories like that. I've talked to people in the foster care system. I've talked to, you know, uh, children of drug addicts and, um, they don't have those memories. So I've had to change the way I speak about it. So Instead of saying that was my baseline, I remembered I was a peaceful person. I just can say I knew it existed. I knew that peace existed. I knew I could do it. I knew there was a possibility I could achieve it. I just didn't know how. I didn't know how to get out of my my monkey brain, you know, because my mind was just, it was just stung. Like, it was just stung all the time. It was just on fire. My brain was on fire all the time from trauma. And so... You know, I almost died from alcoholism and uh, I, I pled to God for five days in bed as I was fighting for my life. Um, I had alcohol poisoning and I was just asking for a second chance and just said, please, let me just live through this. And I promised I'd never drink again. And I never did because that was too scary for me. Um, but I when I left my ex-husband is when I remember for the first time stepping out in a new world where I said, this is now or never. This one little sliver of hope I have left, it's like a 0.001% that I could make it mentally or emotionally is I took that and ran with it. I took that little flame. It was a tiny little flicker of a flame. And I said, it's either this or I'm going to give, give in. And giving in means I give in to the pain and torture, the torment. I give in to mental insanity. I give in to depression. I give in to giving up the spirit where you just like shut completely down, shut everything off. 
Now, I've talked to people who've come and sat with me that have already shut everything off and are totally like cement blocked. They're just cold and dead. Right. And they sit in front of me and they look at me very sarcastically with cynicism and they're like, good luck. And I have gotten through to them. That's amazing. Because, yeah, I'm just not afraid of these areas. I'm just not afraid to go where other people can't go. So now when, you think, when you said this is now or never, what became your next step? Well, I moved out and I got myself, you know, my own place. And I, I started, you know, just figuring out what I was going to do with my life and continuing my business and, and really changing gears inside. And lo and behold, I attracted, and I didn't even see this coming, I attracted what we call a twin flame, my twin flame. A twin flame is more than a soulmate. A twin flame is somebody who's here for your ascension. They actually are here to help you rise and become the next version of you that is like your highest version of yourself that you're going to have on the planet. A soulmate will activate you to no end. <laughs> drive you crazy but they will get you going at least and they won't they're relentless your soulmates mm -hmm. but a twin flame it's like you live for each other there is like a uh, it's like a pact that is made before you even get here so what happens is you see yourself in the other person to uh, such a degree that it's kind of frightening because you see that you can't get away from this person in any way there's no hiding games this person has your number and you have theirs it's equal, you feel equal, and you feel balanced, and you feel like you're in it for life, and there's no question about it. So that's what happened is I was so ready for my own journey, and I wasn't interested in having anybody rescue me anymore. I was finally in a place where I was going to create my reality no matter what, and I had enough skills at the time and tools that I could just keep going in a positive direction and make positive decisions, positive moves, positive thinking as much as I could. That's the information I had at the time. So that was enough that actually attracted my twin flame to me and I was ready for him. So when he came into my life, it wasn't sparks. There was no sparks in that way. Like I didn't fall over. <laughs> I didn't fall over like, oh, great. Here's, here's a beautiful guy. I, I'm so impressed. No, it's the exact opposite. I told him I wasn't interested in anything or anyone. And he said, well, neither am I. <laughs> So that's how we started. We started not being interested in each other at all. It was actually what happened was we was like, it was just like, it was just like a kind of magnetism and a connection that it made sense when we're together and did not make sense when we were apart. That's how we saw it. Like when we were together, we were better people. When we did anything together, we worked together, played together, created together, we advanced. When we were not together, it was like we just couldn't do it. It just wasn't the same. Like you have a very special situation where your pact is different, where you are doing it without him, but that was the intention behind but it. But I am doing it with him in a way because <laughs> you are. He's a you very much are. comes through in many ways. And I think that, yeah. and I think that he is, and I'm told often that he's very, so is very engaged with what's going on right. because our particular situation, we had a plan that yep. um, if certain things didn't work out, he would go first and I would continue the work. And I have yep. through to that. But the other mm -hmm. thing is that um, I'm relating to your story because when I met Saul, uh, who was my second husband, there was a comfort. It was, there was like such, just a knowing that mm -hmm. was very amazing. And that sounds a lot like yeah. 
what you it is comforting it's a it is comforting it's like it's like your home yeah you feel at home like i was home with saul yeah absolutely and the other thing with healing that i think that i know we're going to talk about is i think healing and most of life well what i found out when they pulled me out of the car my and saul was dead next to me aside from this amazing spiritual awakening that i had during it and you know i write about it in my book but um one of the first things i thought about was i will get through this somehow because i have to show my son who was 21 when my husband died i have to show my son that you can get hit by a grenade in life and keep going so i chose right from the get-go with all that had happened and there were other flashpoints in my life that was also had a lot of trauma to it I always chose, look at this, this is not how you want to be. I was always drawn to trying to figure it out and helping myself where other people, you know, stay stuck, I call it in their swamps. And it sounds like that's what you did. You made a choice to heal. And as you started raising your vibration, that's when you attracted your twin flame. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Now, here's the thing. He is he was and still is a psychic medium trans channel full trans channel like abraham uh hicks or jane roberts yep and i didn't know what that was (laughs) i i know i think i had been to a tarot reader once at a carnival that's the extent of my psychic experience so i literally had no idea what that meant and i had an idea about psychic mediumship but i i didn't know anything else so i when i went to go see his I went to his channeling circles and I saw what was going on there and I saw how it impacted people and myself. I was so moved and it was more real to me than the actual real seminars I had been in up until then, because I was all about what's real and in front of your face. Cause I felt like I got duped the first time through religion and I didn't want to go through that again. If it's not in front of me physical, I don't believe in it. So when, when he's here, he is channeling these, these, guides from other dimensions and giving these messages to people and myself about people who have crossed over and personal things that only I know and things about my soul ascension and my path and what I'm doing that's super personal things that nobody would know people would just burst out crying of course you know it was just so real and it was so revealing and I just could not believe that something that was unseen could be more real than the scene right right I couldn't understand that yeah, yeah. Well, I've experienced. I was like, I was like, how is, is is are we getting misinformation on the planet that they tell you if it's not seen, it's not real? Because this is more real than actually things that I see. So that's the part where I start to get very intrigued, and it really starts stimulating me at the core level. And I said, I need to know more about this. This is what's going on here. Why are there people, like, why are their lives changed? Like, I've been through so many motivational seminars and workshops and on so many recovery things. And I'd never seen people activated and light up with the kind of truth and authenticity in their face. I've never seen this kind of reality. Like this was like, this was intelligence. I I just was, I I became like getting on my knees in reverence. And I never had ever experienced that except for maybe in Sunday school when I was a kid, like that feeling like of there's something bigger than me here. And this is, this is God. Like, what is this? I, I need to know more. I wasn't even thinking about healing myself at that point. I was thinking about how is this a thing? How is this real? 
how is this coming through? What is happening here? Why, why is it that my dad is talking to me right now that who crossed over when I was 24? So it was just profoundly uh, stimulating for me to watch my husband do this at the time we were dating. And so as I got closer into it, we started having more and more experiences. His guides started working with me deeply. I had a lot of shamanic experiences. I kept going and healing. And then I found out as I did a lot of health related things to see how my health was doing, I found out that I was having organ failure from drinking coffee and Red Bull and alcohol for 13 years with no diet. I was a size two, but I didn't eat. And all I did was drink stimulating, yeah, things that just cook your, your internal organs. So my organ, I had organ failure. I had, um, my colon was uh, uh, sluggish, like it was like failing. I had um, systemic types of infections that were happening in, in my jaw, my teeth, my bloodstream was uh, heavy metals, heavy, heavy metals in my bloodstream. So I had lesions and boils that were bursting out of my uh, lymphatic area where my body was trying to, to purge these tox- toxins. Um, all of a sudden, a big turn of events happened when I, when I moved in with him is as I started to go, get, go to the doctor and get results and blood work done and just kind of like checking in, they stopped. They would look up from their chart and just look at me in the face with this incred- incredulous look on their face. And they would say, how are you still standing here right now? Yep. People, they were just like, do you, can you just look at your levels? And they would show me my blood levels like minus this, minus that, like everything was out of balance, totally out of control, just like my life. Every single thing was leading to an autoimmune disease. All my immune system was failing. My glandular system was like depleted because there was no, I didn't have the adrenals because my adrenal burnout. So then I, because I was fight or flight for 25 years straight. And so I didn't have like any way to balance my hormones because that's connected to your adrenal system my adrenals were burned out. So like all my glandular systems were totally like thrashed. Every part of my body was thrashed. I had no idea. I had five children. I was athletic. I worked out five days a week. I ran two miles a day. I was a diehard. I I worked 16 hour days. I was a maniac because I wanted to pull out of this. I did not know I was killing myself. Let me ask you a question. And it it sounds like it was a little obsessive because yeah. If, if you were dulling the pain, if it wasn't through alcohol or yeah, all the I had to be constantly doing, stimulated. You were running. You were this. You were that. Constantly. Constantly on. Like manic, manic, yeah. manic. Yeah. Okay. I had to be. I had to be always on. I had to look good. I had to be in a size two to size four dress. Yeah. I had to have the legs, the heels. I had to have the makeup, the hair, everything to prove to myself I'm not a monster. So that was your mask. That was your mask. That was it. That was it. I had to look good. I had to be professional. I had to be smart because I blew it. I had kids young. I did everything wrong. Nobody respected me. So I had to go the opposite direction. I had to swing that pendulum as far out the other way as I could. And I didn't have much time. Look at the so I was a maniac. I mean, you you were making amazing choices to try to find your way. To try. I was trying. And it was just really extreme. Everything was extreme. I had no boundaries, no balance no guidance, no mentors, nobody. I was like a wild child that was trying to clean it up and do the best I can. And everybody would still see right through it. And, and I, you know, there was people who loved me, you know, towards the end, you know, before I, I really got deep into spiritual work, there was people who really wanted to see me win, but they're also drinking and 
partying and and doing the same thing in the in the film business world producers and writers those are the that was my crowd in hollywood so everybody was doing the same thing look good drink it up get numb snort it up do whatever you got to do <laughs> have a career look good on paper you know whatever like it was just superficial i completely so get that. I, I want yeah. to ask you another question with all this sure. channeling and all that you've been doing did you find out, as I found out for me, that so, that this extreme trauma that you went through was set up by you um, when yeah. you came into? Yeah, that's yeah, the funny part. I found out that um, trauma and all that. It's if I hadn't had this trauma, and I and and I I had a very abusive father of my own, but I I have forgiven him because I understand now, just like what you're saying, he was overlaid mm -hmm. with pain. And he mm -hmm. expressed it onto all of us. But um, I set up choosing this person to be my father because it gave me tremendous understanding for doing what I'm doing now. Well, you're asking me a very good question. Um, you're leading into a very important area. So this is where, if you haven't heard of the phrase reverse engineering, this is, I have to explain that to your audience in case that some people might not know what that means. For sure they don't. So, and okay. Okay. So this is what happened. As soon as I started to realize that I might just might have something to do with the creation of my life, just even that 3% of me that could believe that right. I stopped everything. I had no choice. I was in bed, bedridden, sick, healing, constantly detoxing, constantly trying to save my life for years. So while I had plenty of time to go back and forth to the ER and back and forth, I had every kind of inflammation, heart, heart issues, blood pressure issues, everything was just haywire. I had plenty of time to stop this maniacal fast track I had been on. What a way to start a relationship, right? Yeah. I had he all these years to be in. He saw who you were. He knew who you were. Oh, he did. He, he saw knew. a powerhouse he in knew. there. He's like, we just got to clean it up. <laughs> And he knew his role in your life because yes. uh, and I hear the I hear the similarity with my um relationship yeah. with Paul because you made each other better. And Absolutely. you helped heal in that just the relationship alone started helping yeah. both to heal. I understand. That's exactly what happened. So he gave me that space and the and the support to heal and, and no one has ever given me that before. I had always just been running from one thing to another. So while I was in in bed and bedridden, I had plenty of time to be with myself. And so I said, well, this is the best time to do this. I might as well do it now. And I said, I'm going to go see if this is true that I created my life like this. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I reversed engineered. So I went through all my memories, my most painful ones first. I went through the scariest ones, the most painful ones, the ones that I did not understand why they happened. And what I did was I trailed it back. I tracked it all the way back to the beginning of my life, as far back as I can go in my memory. And I asked myself, if I didn't have that experience, who would I be? And of course, you have this vision that if you had the perfect life, you would be this perfect human being, right? Like you had the perfect upbringing, perfect life, you would be a perfect human being and have a perfect, beautiful world, right? That you live in. Right. Right. So we what I found out... <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's what we we tell ourselves that's that beautiful story. It's a fairy tale. So what I actually realized was that when I removed these very important dynamics, these very important stories and things that happened to me, 
I realized that I was losing my power each time I would remove one of these stories. Like, well, what if I never got raped before? Or what if I never got expelled from school? Or what if I never had children young? Or what if like, and I went down the list and I realized I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't be who I am today. I kept going back to like, but who are, who am I today? And I'm like, well, who am I? Who am I today? So I started taking inventory and asking some people, well, who am I to you? What is this? <laughs> how do I, how do I occur to you? What, is, what am I doing? They're like, you're the most inspirational person we've ever seen. Like you survived so much. Like you are like, thank God you're here with us. Right. I'm like, really? I thought it was all broken goods. Like you can't even take me anywhere. Like I, I didn't realize that I, I brought something to the table and they said, well, it's your fight. It's the fire. It's the reason why you're here. It's the reason why you're talking to me right now. That is what is inspiring. It's your journey. It's your life story. Right. I said, you mean me, me just standing here looking at you is inspiring to you? They're like, are you kidding? Yes. And I was like, oh my God, you mean just me standing here doing nothing I'm inspiring and so that means I've already done something? Yes, you've already done something. You're not doing anything at all. You just made it. Okay, I said, so this is really a- Your role model for people that is yeah. possible and your role yeah. model for people and I, I and I and I get that reaction a lot also. And yeah. it's, it's very humbling. And you go, oh, Yeah, it's God. really humbling because okay. you don't know how that happened. Like you just can't even believe it. Yeah. You think your worst nightmare all of a sudden became somebody's inspiration. Mm -hmm. And you just cannot believe that. It's the most phenomenal, amazing and life altering realization that you, what you thought was the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Right is why people are crying in front of you and asking you for more. Right. Well, you know what it is? It turns your pain into gratitude because- Oh my gosh. That's what happened, right? That's what happened to yeah. me. Now all of a sudden, yeah. I'm grateful for the traumas mm -hmm. things that I was able oh, to- Oh, and then when you're grateful, people go, how can you be grateful for that? Right, right. How can you be grateful for that, for your pain? And you're like, well, I'm here to talk about it. That's what I'm grateful for that I actually get-, get That tells you- how resilient we are. That tells you how like fantastic our, our, our ability to reason and reprogram ourselves and, and learn and grow and evolve. Once you start to really understand what you're dealing with from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, when you start to understand what this human body bag that you walk around in, mm -hmm. if you start to realize what this is, you'll, that's what my second book is about that I'm writing right now called I Am AI. It's basically just explaining that this is an avatar. This is a complicated, advanced system. It's an interface, like your computer is an interface. It interfaces with you. We are interfacing with this dimension, this 3D, 4D dimension where we're here communicating with other human beings are looking at us in the eyes, flesh and bone. We're seeing each other here. This is a reality we've created together and we're all in here communicating to each other. Every question you're going to ask me today, my answer is going to be all the same. And it's okay. going to have a different set of circumstances around it. But I'm going to tell you what the answer is ahead of time before you even ask me any questions. You want to know what the answer is? Go ahead. Connection. Connection. Connection, connection, connection. What's the answer to that? Connection. What's the solve for that? Connection. What's the healing aspect of that? Connection. What are you connecting to? Yourself and others. Why is that important? Well, there's a reason why we came to the planet and there's 7 billion people here. It's not a planet of one. The reason why we came here together is to connect. 
and, to, and that is the and to evolve and to evolve because that connection inspires you mm-hmm. even you know people say well like you talk about when you were raped like like it was no big deal like how can you talk like that and i said because that's where i understood myself i got a lot of data information and downloads that day do i recommend it no i don't think that's the best way to learn about yourself but I definitely learned a lot about myself that day. I learned about myself. I learned about other people. I had a a taste into humanity. So I've had the full spectrum. So I've seen the worst of the worst in humanity and the best of the best. What a freaking way to live. I can go to the end of my life on my deathbed and I could say, I got to see the whole spectrum of humanity. What a gift. What a pleasure. Well, not only that, no matter what anyone has that they've gone through, you're, you're an inspiration because they can see that they, if they choose to, they also can change their story. Absolutely. I want to ask. That's you, the key. Yes. That's key. Did you um, get, learn about yourself and going all the way back through your own abilities or did you get help like through someone like Riz who was able to channel that information from the other side for you? It's a, yeah, it was a combination of both. I mean, cause you can only, you know, you could teach somebody how to like, cook but you can't teach them how to like they have to put the food in their mouth like so I literally you know there was so much exposure to the spiritual uh, side of life which is like the unknown unseen world that's vibrational frequency energy reading just very deep uh, soul work that comes from your heart comes from all your other senses not just the senses you know about and yes they were super activated in this in this journey of me coming and and rebirthing essentially but uh, it it was, I absolutely had to walk the walk and absolutely had to talk the talk. I could not uh, make a healer do it for me. Mm-hmm. That's a misconception people have. You go see a well, healer and you say. You with information, but you have the choice. Of you have to do it. Do the work. You have to do it. Absolutely. Right. So you can have the top healer in the world and they lay hands on you. They talk to you. They do mantras with you. They, they help you reprogram you. Beautiful. If you don't walk out that door and you don't continue that process, you either are going to spend every single day paying that healer to do it for you, or you, which some people would do, or you have to actually learn how to do it yourself. So what I do in in my healing work with people is I kind of do, it's kind of like a hacking, a, a kind of a hacking experience. If you heard of hacking, it's kind of like a fast, kind of a quick way to get right to the source of how to activate yourself and create healing in yourself the fastest way possible, because I want people to leave in control. I want them to leave feeling that they have something. And, you know, my big part of my message, which throws people off is um, if you don't surrender to what's happening inside of you or surrender to the bigger picture or surrender to your heart or surrender to your journey in life or surrender to anything, higher power, anything, God, anything, love, you might as well just put the brakes on and ride this whole thing out and, and you're going to grind your brakes and there's going to be sparks and flames and you are going to have the hardest, most difficult journey of your life. When you take your foot up the, off the brakes and you surrender and you allow this healing energy to come through from others and from yourself and the God self, your God self, love, all of the beautiful, intelligent forces that are creating us, that we've created, if you don't surrender to that, you will have nothing but misery for the rest of your life. So a big part of this journey was me learning how to surrender. Surrender, surrender, surrender. Like you had to surrender to, to do what you're doing, Irene. Absolutely. Like so the podcast, everything. You know what I learned, Araya, is that um, 
from what I went over through, I've learned that I have control over absolutely nothing except my attitude. And if I choose, <laughs> if I choose to heal, or I choose my the way I'm interacting with people. Um, I, instead of like a Pavlov's dog response, like this is what happened, this is what I saw, this is what I'm going to do. You can choose to change that story. And that's yeah. all you have control over, really. Yeah, I call it, it's, co it's called core belief work. And I really truly believe that's where programming comes in. You have to really go to the source of your core beliefs because it doesn't matter how much what they call fluff that you learn in the spiritual communities or you learn with healers. It doesn't matter how many beautiful things you hear. If you don't believe any of it or believe in it, it's not going to work. Right. Right. So it doesn't really matter. You can believe in healing all you want, but if at the core, at your core central, you're saying in the back of your mind, yeah, but it doesn't work on people like me. Mm -hmm. I'm too flawed. It's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. So what I do is I work with people at that level. I go to the people who are negotiating a business deal with themselves of whether or not they want to survive on this planet, you know, peacefully or not. It's like a negotiating like a hostage situation with people. They're holding themselves hostage. They're not going to release the hostage until they feel all conditions are met. Once the conditions are met, they'll release themselves and start loving people and being open. But what they don't realize is just the act of what you're doing is traumatizing, not allowing yourself to, to experience love and healing. You are abusing the abuser. You are abusing and abusing and abusing. So the abuser who abused you, taught you how to abuse, then you start abusing yourself, you abuse others, then you keep, continue this cycle and it never ends. And oh, so then you get mad and then, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you sit in front of a healer and then you say, so help me stop the pain. So the abuser says, well, show me your weapon. The healer says, well, show me your weapons. Yes. And, the, and then the, the person sitting there goes, I don't have any weapons. I'm trying to get away from people with weapons. And then they're like, well, you don't understand how healing works because healing works from the inside out. It works from, it is your ability to receive healing from yourself. You have to allow, like all the decisions you made after the car accident was all personal decisions for yourself. You made those decisions. You said, I will do this for me. I will do this for him. I will do this for them. It was I being the center. I will. Those were all the choices you made. Those were all healing choices. You don't have to do it that way. You could have done it the opposite way. You could have said, well, now I'm going to be depressed and suicidal for the next 15 years. Now I'm not going to talk to anyone. Now I'm going to go hide somewhere and be mad and miserable and depressed. That's right. There's nothing wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with that because God is love and God is omnipresent. So there's nothing wrong with those things. It's just what's your quality of life? It's for you. You're the one that has to live in that environment. You're right. Don't get mad at anybody else around you. I have a bunch of other questions, but let me just. Sure, go ahead. Let me just um, take a quick break to allow sure. a moment uh, for our sponsors who keep this podcast free for our listeners. So hold on. We'll be right back. We're back. Thanks for tuning in to my absolutely fascinating and very insights-filled interview with Araya Mirza. Araya, let's continue on. I'd like to know. Um, could you please for our, say someone's listening to this, holy moly, Araya is a girl for me. This is who I have to go to, to help to learn and to heal. You call yourself a shaman and a trauma life coach. Could you define for our listeners what that means? 
And do you use both of those modalities together on people? How does it work if someone goes to you for healing? Um, yes, I do use both of those modalities. Sometimes I only use one, but I'll explain what they are. So trauma life coach basically means people who are in a state of, it's kind of a form of PTSD. I, I hate to label things because everyone's different, but it's kind of like a feeling where it's a desperation that you are hanging by a thread. Here's, this is going to sound kind of morbid, but these are my favorite people. The reason they're my favorite people is they're the only people in the world that are actually ready to do something. And they're actually ready to listen. They're exhausted. They're at the end of their rope. They can't do it anymore. They don't want to do it anymore. I always say I have the easiest job in the world as a life coach. You guys have the harder job. You should try working with the people in trauma that's about ready to commit suicide. They're the easiest people of all in the world. I have the easiest job in the world. And people go, are you crazy? That's the hardest job in the world. And I said, no, it's the easiest because they're ready to listen. They're actually ready to do something. All you have to do is to give them the right information. They're ready to actually change their life. That's why they're traumatized is because they're at the end of their rope. They're totally done. They cannot do it anymore in any capacity, mentally, emotionally, physically, addiction-wise, in any way, grief, pain, suffering, anything, anxiety, bipolar disorder, pharmaceuticals, you name it. It doesn't matter what it is. You could be twitching. You could be like crying. You could be doing whatever. And I'm just going to look at you and tell you how I feel about what I think you're doing. And then you're going to go, well, that sounds really easy and simple. And I'm going to say, because it is. And then you're going to say, well, how come you're not afraid of me? And I'm going to say, because I've been there and I'm not afraid of it because I understand it. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to walk you through it. Just like we walk through somebody, uh, walk through uh, somebody on a phone and get them through like an airport or, or uh, a scary forest. You know, you're just kind of on a walkie-talkie. You just say, okay, make a right, make a left, make a right. And you walk them out. So all I do is give them the tools, the information of what they need to walk out. And I have one success story after another. It's harder to work with people who are, who are empowered already, who are spiritual. They come in and they're like, all right, tell me something that I don't know. I'm like, why are you coming to me? You know how many people can see me that actually need my help? <laughs> if you already know something, go teach it. Tell I us, don't need to work with you. Aside from the miracle of what you accomplished for yourself, tell us, give us a, a story, um, you know, not too long because, um, you know, we have a time issue here with the interview, but give us a story about someone who's really healed, um, who was very, very deeply traumatized and did it take a long I have so many I don't even know which one to begin I'll tell you my favorite one she's my she's my light and shining armor I just love her so much um her name is Georgette shout out to Georgette I'll let her know that I'm talking about her again um <laughs> Georgette uh I met in one of the circles and um she was you know struggling with weight and she was you know, on, I think she was still doing drugs. I think she was doing some sort of, I think it was speed or something. I can't remember at the time she was still doing something. We got to know each other and I started working with her and I found out her story. So when she was born, uh, she lived with her, her crack mom. So her mom used to do crack in LA, in Orange County. And she, uh, her and her brother were born and her mom raised them in a drug den and they got to witness the worst things you can imagine. But what happened when she, the babies were between two to five, the mom would OD or like completely be incoherent for three days at a time. So the babies would leave the house in diapers looking for food 
and they would end up sleeping under under the stairway in the apartment complex by the dumpsters and the four-year-old is trying to uh hit the mice off of the brother as the mice were trying to nibble on the brother's toes until like maybe somebody would see them and she's now 50 she's just turned 50 i think she's just a little bit over 50 now to give you an idea of the time frame so he was picked up by the city and they ended up going into the foster care system. And while they were in the foster care system, she went through the entire abusive scenario. And even the foster counselors were raping her. So it just got worse and worse. She finally, you know, she she reached adulthood and she left. It was just a a life of just violence and drugs. And she was a, a total mess. And when I met her, she was, it was about 10 years ago, and she was just starting to wind down and get get exhausted from her lifestyle and life and just everything she's experienced. And she started coming to the circles, and I took a liking to her because I saw an honesty in her eyes that I understood. I understood that there was love, and I understood she survived things that most people can't survive. So... I pulled her aside and asked her if she wanted to start working with me. And she said, yes. And she was timid in the beginning. She didn't know what that meant. And I just started working with her off and on for years. And we did shamanic experiences like healing ceremonies and journeys together. And we did um, lots and lots of sessions. And and I spent a lot of time with her and, and walked her through things and talked to her about things. And I said, you know what you would be great at when she was starting to pull through and coming out of this? I said, you would be great working with kids and at risk, at risk kids. And she said, oh, no, not me. Like, they wouldn't want to have me. I said, no, you're the one. So she ended up years later. First of all, she she dropped 80% of her weight. And then she, and of course, she's clean and sober. And then she went and started working at the foster care system as a mentor liaison that represents the child in court and to the foster care system. So she's the one that's on the front lines with the child in their home and they talk to her and she tells me stories of the type of children she's worked with. And um, these are kids that don't talk to adults. They don't talk to anyone. They do not trust anyone, but they'll talk to Georgette. And she told me some scary things. I think I might need to be able, I I don't think I could share, but some of the things were um, the kind of horror stories you read on the front lines of like newspapers about like how they find kids sometimes. He's walked in as the first person that that child is going to talk to. They send, they go get Georgette and they bring her in and they'll talk to Georgette because Georgette's not afraid to go into this type of darkness, into this type of fear. She's not afraid of this kind of uh, terror because she lived it her whole life. So these are the kind of healers that I work with. These are the kind of healers that I understand. These are people who are just not afraid to go in the darkness because the darkness and the light are together. It's all God. But you have to understand this is how the human being wants to express themselves. and They want to see and, and feel themselves in the biggest expression they can. And if you come in experiencing violence, there's a reason. It's not by accident. There's a reason you came in to experience violence. And her reason was because she was going to be a light. 34, 40 years later, she was going to be a light that was going to go back into the foster care system and pull people out. Which is You never know what your journey is going to lead you to. Which is interesting because you too went through all this and later on in her life and the same thing happened to me. And that's why I have a podcast. It's so, so fascinating. Um, 
tell me about your kids. You say they're balanced and healthy, and considering the amount of trauma they experienced, how did you accomplish this great feat? There's only one way I could say I accomplished it. I can't take credit for anything else. They may give me more credit for it, but I personally won't give myself credit for it because when you've raised your kids the way I have, you, you could very easily go into the realm of like, I messed up. I did everything wrong. Very easily I can go down that road. But if I do go down that road, they're not going to have a mother. So I cannot indulge myself like that. I have to be more selfless. So I have to be available for, infra, available for dialogue and communication. So I, my stories have to end at the door when I see them. So my success with them is that I am available 100% in all capacities when I'm in communication with them. When I look in their eyes, I'm 100% available for any conversations at any time to do anything and talk to them about anyone at any time. Some things I choose not to talk about because it's, it's indulgent. Like maybe they want to like get a reaction out of me and I know what they're doing. So I just, I say, that's not for me to talk to you about right now. We'll talk about that later because I know what they're trying to do. But if they really, really need like deep connection, soul connection, I'm there. 100%. And that is what I think was my key to success with them is that I was 100% available. It may not be physically uh, available all the time, 24-7, like I'm by their side and they don't want that anyway. But the kind of availability I have is that when they are talking to me, they want to know if I'm really listening. They want to know if I really hear what they just said. They want to know if I'm connected to where they're coming from. They want to know if I know what they're talking about when they say something, or am I aloof? Am I throwing it away? Like most adults just don't pay attention. I I am not like that. I'll be 100% in there with them. I'll laugh at their jokes. I'll be in there with their stories. I'll, I'll hold them when they need it. I'll tell if they need alone time, I give them alone time. My oldest son, he was the one who went through the most trauma. So by the time I was 18, he had already written me off when he was 18 because I was, I was 18 when I had him. So he went through the worst. So, and he's the only boy and he's the oldest. So my relationship with him, and he's 27 now, my relationship with him, oh my God, it's totally different than any relationship I've ever seen. It's a mutual understanding. We have a mutual understanding that we are going to choose to like each other as human beings first and then decide if we want to communicate from there. And then that's what we do. So we communicate to each other from fun and play and jokes and we talk about life and we talk about relationships and we talk about adventures and I take him on trips with me around the world and we share things together. Do I take credit for anything? No. Do I want anything from him? No. He's making his choices also. He's making his choices at the same time. And he's also become who he is. He works for NASA. He's a, he's an origami engineer working at NASA. Wow. Yeah. So he's doing great. And he's an inventor like his grandfather, and uh, he's phenomenal. He's an intelligent and beautiful human being. And whatever part we played with each other to help each other get there um, is beautiful. But I'm trying to explain how he sees me. I know he doesn't see me yet, how I see myself. He doesn't know yet exactly what's going on. He just knows that I'm on the straight and narrow, and I'm totally clean and clear, and I'm 100% helpful, and I do really fun things. That's as far as it goes. He knows for sure is that you love him. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. When I see him, I have to put my hands in his hair. I have to touch his face. I have to touch his hands. I have to let him know I'm physically here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because when your mom dies, that's it. 
when your when your loved one dies, that's it. There's no more hands are touching you. That's right. So I am very physical. My mom and dad were not physical with me, so I just make sure I am physical with my kids. I touch them all the time. I want them to know mom's touch, mom's hands. My mom is very skittish. She doesn't like me touching her. And so I just want to make sure, like, I grab my big 20-year-old kids or in their mid-20s, I grab them when I'm at the kitchen table. If they walk by me, I grab them and they sit on my lap and I drink coffee with them. That's the kind of life I have with them. I refuse any other way. They need to know I'm here because of them. I'm here because I love them. I am there. I'm here with you all the way. I'm your mom. For you life. You're an inspiration to healing yourself because now you will. They are my angels, the most beautiful, yes. innocent, sweetest things I've ever seen. And they're powerhouses. Super intense, intelligent, beautiful, creative people. I I just guide them. I show them. I have one of them, uh, my one of my middle kids, both middle kids actually, that middle kid syndrome. You know, they try every move to get a reaction. They're the, the ball busters of the kids, and they try everything. And I think it's so cute and endearing, and I love them through it. And they're like, "How come you're not mad?" everybody else is so irritated or how come you don't and I said because I know what you're doing and it's very sweet you're just wanting to express yourself you just want to show people who you are it's okay it's beautiful like, uh, so what I'm hearing yeah. what you're saying is you you you're teaching them acceptance non-judgment absolutely because I accept them and but at uh, the same time I I hold a line like I I, I don't want you to hurt your body don't hurt your body stay alive don't hurt your body don't hurt your mind if I start to see that you're going to go in a pattern, I'll stop you. And I say, what are you doing? Why are you starting to repeat this pattern of, of self, you know, self-inflicted abuse? If I start to see that and they say, and I end up, you know, cause there's kids at school bullying them. That's why. Right. So then we go into conversations about that. Wow. Tell me about your, and you know, kids, you know, kids don't like to talk a lot, right? Yeah. Right. I know they're not into it. They're not like, don't talk to me too much. So what I learned was less is more. And if you do say something, make it count. And then at the same time, make it fun. Kids don't like downers. It doesn't matter how hard their life is. If your parent is hardcore to the max and like super depressing, the kid is, the kid is like, you know, look, I'm just starting out my life. I don't need to add that to it. So I try to keep my stuff separate. I keep it very clean around them so that they can have a childhood and they could enjoy. And I work on my things, you know, separately. If they ever are interested when they get older, they want to know more information about what I'm doing. I let them know. That's great. Orion, tell me um, about your little book of sanity and also <laughs> about the new book you're writing. The little book of sanity is kind of a play on words. It's actually really a fun book. It's really lighthearted. It took me 10 years to write it. It's the condensed information of how I got out of insanity. And what I did was I created a step-by-step protocol. And I, the reason it's tongue-in-cheek and the reason it's a, a small book is because I wanted to show you that, you know, there's a story going around the planet that you can't get to sanity really easily. You have to really go the long way. And uh, it's going to take you decades. And yeah, that would happen if you don't really understand how to get there. But what about if somebody showed you the fast way? What about if somebody, somebody showed you the easy way that you can get there? So I show you a step-by-step instructional handbook on how to unravel and unveil your sanity. You have to want it. You have to be interested. Some people have told me they've had to read this book like five or six times and each time they get something out of it. It's like the Four Seasons book. It's always called Four Seasons by Castaneda. It's uh, it's kind of like a, 
it's a, it's a, a thinking book. You're going to have to think about what I'm saying. And I do it in a very humorous way because I believe humor is the fastest way to get any information. So if you keep it lighthearted and fun, people get it faster. That's so, like an ideal stocking stuffer to me. It is. It is. It's a, it's a, people have bought it as a gift. They've bought 10 copies and sent it out to their family members. I, it's one of my favorite books. It's my first book. I really wanted to write it. It was really fun to write it. I put illustrations. I made illustrations for each page because each page only has half a page of information. That is how small this book is. And it's just so powerfully written because I pulled the most powerful life lessons that I have learned, that I've experienced on how to get out of pain and suffering and how to promote yourself in a way that is like you even love yourself. Like, wow, what a surprise. Like, I am loving myself. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> I trick you into loving yourself again, you know? Why not? We all like Santa Claus, right? It's like, why can't I be Santa Claus? I'm going to give you a stocking stuffer. I'm Santa Claus. I'm going to show you how you can love yourself by accident. I'm going to fall. I'm going to kind of walk you right into it and I teach you that. how you can just let go. Oh, that's so interesting. And does this one lead to your next book that you're writing? Yeah, the next book is a huge jump. I go from that to a, it's a 200-page book with 200 pages of index. It's a 400-page book. It's giant. This next book is the actual opposite. So what it does is I break down and deconstruct. I reverse engineer the human being. And here's why I did it. The reason why I did it is because I have nothing better to do. All right, I'm you know what that means? That. Here's what that means. I spent 10 years to learn how to unravel the first 25, 30 years. That's a lot of dedication to my life, don't you think? 30 years to live it. Another 10 years to deconstruct it. Right. So I guess this lifetime is about me understanding the freaking human being, I guess. That's what I'm spending my whole life doing. So I said, might as well go all the way. So I did. I went all the way. And I just started understanding, like, where's technology going with us? And how are we related to that? And how is our body very technologically advanced? And how is it related to everything that's happening on the planet right now? And how, where is this going? Where is our future look like? Are we an advanced species are we multi are we going to be making new species like what's happening here like how okay, did so we arrive here Araya, when you come out with this book let's have another interview and I'll yeah it'll be a Bye. totally different conversation for sure oh and what is the name of the book i am i am ai ai what does ai stand for artificial intelligence and what I do is I dismantle the word, the concept of artificial intelligence, that there's no such thing as artificial, just intelligence. And so we are creating ourselves and recreating ourselves in our creation. And I show how we are doing that as a society, as a species. And it's my favorite work so far. I, w I really would love it for it to be a series or, or a movie. It's very sci-fi kind of, uh, it's a storytelling, it's a novel, and it's, uh, it's really fun. It's deep and it's cites a lot of scientific uh, data that's happening on our planet today. It's all very real things. And I just, I show you how we're much more than you think we are. I show you that we're much more, much more advanced than we think we are. And we're uh, just learning how to tap in and access those things. All right. Is any of the information in the book channeled? Yes, actually, it's funny you ask. Um, I play around with this concept because I have channeled being, you know, if you're going to be hanging around the barbershop, you're going to get a haircut, right? So my husband, um, being such a channel all the time, you know, I just started learning how to do it. And I eventually did full trans channel myself many years. 
and in my sessions and things. And I, I stopped doing that and just began writing, uh, writing what I was hearing and feeling and seeing. So uh, a lot of this is channeled. A lot of this is channeled. And I do talk about that. Um, and I go into aliens and what that means and what is different species. I break it down. And, you know, I just kind of like, you see how I talk very practical. I'm a Taurus. You know, I, I talk like a Taurus. Like, I'm just a very practical person. So could you imagine me writing a sci-fi book, A Mama Five? Yeah, that's kind of, you know, a silly concept. But if you really um, understand that it's just because I wanted to know what more can this avatar do, if I can reprogram myself and take me out of what I've been through and help as many people as I've helped, then what else is this body able to do? What is our minds able to do? What kind of healing are we allowed to do? What kind of, what kind of access do we have? What, what is this, you know, what does this human being do? Like, I want to really see what it can do because I've come this far experimenting. I might as well go all the way. Hey, listen, you, you are an avatar. You're a light worker. You're a little ahead of the curve, which is wonderful. <laughs> well, I stopped being afraid of that concept. Let me tell you, I used to try to <laughs> dim that light because I would scare people and freak them out. And I started to realize, you know, if I just bring my personality into it, which is kind of dry and I'm a little bit sarcastic, you know, if I just bring my real self into my, what I believe, people will get it. Because if I get it, they'll get it. I'm okay. just like everybody else. Right. So if I can be all these like advanced healer, light worker stuff, then that means anybody can do it. So why not? Anybody well, can help anyone. So I mean, that brings me to asking you about your signature course called Awaken the Healer Within. Tell That's us a perfect about segue. That. Your, your course called Awaken That the is a masterful segue right there. Right. Well, that's exactly what I'm doing is I, I so this, the, the, and I have a talk that's online. You can, you can listen to, if you go to my website, awaken the healer within dot live. If you go there, there's, you click on the picture of me speaking and you'll, you can go be taken to my, my talk. It's a two hour talk and has Q and a at the end. But basically what I do is I kind of gloss over a little bit of my, my past. And then I go into what it means to be a healer. And I never asked to be a healer. I never signed up for it. I never thought that's a possibility. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm probably the worst person you should ask for that. But what happened was people kept asking me to help them. And I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that I could do that. And so that's how it all started. So I really woke up in a reality that I had created for myself and didn't even realize that I had created, which was I'm a healer. And, um, I was really profoundly, you know, moved by that because I come from being a loser to being a healer. I didn't know you could do that first before you could have the insights to become. Yeah. Yeah. I was a loser. Like I lost the game. I lost the game. I was quitting the game, closing the game board. It's all over. And all of a sudden now here I am a healer. So I thought, well, this would be really good for me to share with people how they can become a healer. If they're in the same boat, let's say, let's say you have a lot to offer, but you feel damaged. Right. And you feel really hurt by life and you feel like you just can't really go day to day anymore. It's just so, it's so difficult, so hard. So what I do is I say, yeah, it is hard. And here's what we're going to do about it. We're going to make it really easy and we're going to have fun and you're going to learn how to do it. You're going to learn how to do your own life. And then you're going to like by accident, all of a sudden start teaching other people how to do it because you don't even realize when you have a successful life, people want to know how you did it. Right. If you're happy, they want to know how you're happy. If you are making money, how'd you make money? If you love your partner, how did that happen? You have a healthy marriage? How did that happen? You have good kids? How did that happen? So then I said, okay, well, you guys want to know, come to my talk. I'll tell you how I did it. Right. 
it's just easy. And it, by the way, my way is not the only way. It's the what I'm saying is anybody can have what they want. It's how you create it. And every moment has to be special and precious to you. Every single second of your life has to be understood that it is a it is a part of your bigger framework. You are putting a puzzle piece together. You're putting a mosaic together. You're creating a picture. Don't if you give up before you even start creating, then you don't, you've missed the boat. And that's why people feel like they missed the boat. They're like, I feel like I missed the boat. Like, just give me another drink of alcohol, you know, I'll get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's going to get old after a while mm-hmm. if you if you survive it. Mm-hmm. If you can survive alcoholism. Survive that, sure. Yeah, a lot of people I know have died from alcoholism. So, you know, if you can survive it and and quit, then you have a chance of trying it a different way. Most people are just frustrated that there's not the right information out there. There's so much information everywhere you go, everywhere you turn, information, information, information. Us light workers, like you call us, and yourself, the one thing we've learned is if we're all speaking in the same voice, it'll be easy to find us. So we all just say the same thing in different ways, but we all are saying the same thing. And if we can just keep doing that. It's just so amazing. Like even with this podcast with all these people who I'm interviewing, every single one of you has a piece of this puzzle. Exactly. It's like, it's like, imagine if all of us have these flashlights on your show, we all came in with these flashlights and we're just like, okay, we got the flashlight. Here's what we're doing today. We're just going to look down this corridor now. And so everybody has flashlights. Now imagine eventually everything gets illuminated and then you don't need the flashlights. And then everybody just realizes they all have the light. So, but it starts with the people who say, I'm not afraid of my light. I'm not afraid of my light. Well, that's okay. Right, right. It's also interesting how everyone's connected because I just interviewed someone who is a specialist in detoxifying people, and she talked about metals and the de- and the and the toxicity of metals. And you're talking about that that was one of the problems that you had. So I'm saying, yeah, I was very, I was very, very. very... So her name is Karen Stein. I just interviewed her. So there, so there, she's got yeah, the correlation. What you're talking about also, yeah, all connected in this all wonderful healing mosaic that we had it's like people take your choice but do your work which you know I, I do believe uh, there is a future that I do believe we will all eventually come together because it's bound to happen it's just gonna you, you know it's just gonna eventually happen or there will be some bigger conversations happening on the planet with more people talking about the same thing and healing is going to become a very large and big forefront conversation in in the on the planet it's going to be one of the biggest topics because as you see with technology people burned out and people got overwhelmed because too much information you don't know who to believe and everything is just everything's going everywhere and you feel like the world is coming to an end and you're looking for one thing of sanity so that you can hang on to right but you know what's going to eventually happen is you have enough people who are searching and seeking and looking for peace and enough people who can offer it Eventually, the light keeps getting passed. The torch keeps getting passed. More and more people start awakening. More and more people start realizing that they have the light and healing abilities, and they can heal their families and loved ones, and then they do it, and then it just keeps going generationally. And then before you know it, that's the conversation. And it'll eventually get there because, you know, people are wearing themselves out. They just can't take it anymore. Can I tell you that in my book, Soul Channel to Me, 
what the world is going to be like in 300 years and you're and mm -hmm. what this conversation is reflected in what he says about what's going to be going on yeah i mean you can see it coming because you know when there's a problem somebody's going to find a solution right so the problem is burnout that's the problem people are burned out they're frying their circuit boards everyone is fried tired and fried and if the ones who are not they've made a little life for themselves where they can just somehow find uh, you know sanity and 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 beauty and peace in their life and congratulations that they could do that but it's when you take a person like that and they go into the world where people are frazzled and they offer a helping hand and they say here let me see if i can help you with that is there anything i can do for you mm -hmm. i always say you know if somebody has an answer go to somebody who's looking for a solution so that's how i help healers become healers that's how i activate so many healers i have so many healers who have uh, they didn't start out as healers, but doing my work, doing my courses and working with me and my husband, they have become healers. And it's because I just show them that they have gold, they have information, they have wisdom. All they have to do is calm themselves down, just calm all the way down, just settle all the feathers, you know, on a chicken, all the feathers go up, you just put all the feathers down and take some deep breaths and just relax and know that you're okay. I know that you've got people around you who know what they're doing and they're going to help you and you're going to become just like them. I'm not, I'm a mastermind technician, Irene, but I'm not a mastermind in how to get here. It's the easiest road ever. And I want to make it as simple as possible. I call it a mastermind course because at the end of the day, that's what you're going to learn. But I want it to be as easy as possible because if you can't share it and you can't give it and people can't receive it, then what are you doing? So you got to keep it very simple. That's terrific. And, you know, with this, I'm going to lead to, this is all leading to Araya. Tell people about the importance of healing. I think your whole life speaks to that and everything you're doing. It does. These people who are in so much pain or have these issues yes. and, they're, and they're, they're listening to this podcast. So let me give them something. Important. I'll give them something. I'll give them a little going away present. Okay. I'm going to describe what healing feels like. That's a good way to start. So people can actually know the feeling of healing because some people don't know if they're getting healed. Right. Okay. So here's what healing feels like. Healing starts with a sensation. It's a feeling within your system that starts with being quiet and still, even if it's for five seconds, and allowing, keyword allowing, gentle, soft, beautiful, warm, loving energy come through you because you have access to it at any time right now on the spot. You can do it right now while you're driving. You can do it right now while you're on the phone or on the listening to this podcast. You can do it 100%. All you have to do is you stop for a second. You know, many people are told, close your eyes, meditate, go within. But then what do you do? That's the thing. People go, okay, well, I've learned how to do that, but then what? So what the, what you, what the purpose of meditation and the purpose of being silent, the purpose of closing your eyes and going within, yes, it's really, really awesome to connect to your guides and connect to other people, of course. But as you know, Irene, if you're not getting a healing, then you're just having, I mean, you're just having fun. It's fine. But like, if you want to get healed, and you want to create healing in your body and raise your vibration and heal your cells and your body and heal your brain and, and coat your whole interior system with liquid light of love and generosity and, 
and jubilant energy, you have to believe it's possible. You have to believe it exists. Even if it's 1%, you have to stop everything and give thanks and gratitude for that moment. Through gritted teeth, you can have gritted teeth. You could be digging your fingernails into your fists with blood coming out of it. You're so angry, which people do all yes. the time. Yes, we do. And they don't tell you about it, but they do. And you know what? In that moment, say, okay, can you give yourself one fractal of a second? Just give yourself a minute, a half a second, anything, and just say thank you. You don't even know what you're saying thank you to yet. It's okay. You don't need to know. Just say thank you because it holds itself. There's a vibration in the word thank you. There's a vibration in the word gratitude. It starts to open the cracks. The crack starts opening. You start to get some light starts coming in. And then you start to say thank you. You close your eyes. You say thank you. I welcome any healing energy that is available to me. I welcome my own healing energy. I welcome my own love to myself. I'm allowed to have it. It doesn't mean that anybody had to show me. It doesn't matter that nobody ever showed me. Those days are over. Don't look at the past, only look at today and just say, thank you for the moment. Thank you for this very second that I can be with myself for this, just this moment, because I don't know what today holds. I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. I'm just going to be thankful for this moment because I have myself. I'm holding my own hand. This is my own life for myself. I get this one moment. I can just go in and say, thank you and allow the healing energies around you and inside of you to just come into your being. Allow it to just come in very softly like a cloud. You're going to feel it very gentle. It's going to go around your heart. You're going to feel like a buzzing in your heart. You're not going to know why. It's okay. You just allow that feeling to be there. Know that you're an exceptional human being. You come from an exceptional source. You are highly intelligent. You're learning about your system. You're learning about your life. You're learning about who you are. You're allowed to have it. You just let yourself feel the little buzzing. Let yourself go in, have it. Hold yourself like you're putting your hands around your heart, like you're holding your heart, you're hugging your heart. Let yourself feel that. And then keep spreading it out and spreading it out and spreading it out throughout all your system, all your organs, all your interior of your body. Just let it go down all the way to your feet. And you can repeat this as many times as you want in a day. You could do it for hours at a time. It doesn't matter how long you need. You create the space to give that to yourself because it's your healing energy that you can give yourself at any time. And that is the beauty of how we're created. We are magnificent beings that can bring in this type of technology, this type of interface that love is around us everywhere. And we can have it at any time. And you breathe into it, you release it, you breathe in, you release any pain, you keep doing that over and over and over. Gratitude is the key. Start with gratitude, end with gratitude. Yes. And that's... Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, that's a little present I wanted to give everybody before I leave. So with that, with that, um, tell me how I have two other questions. How can our listeners connect with you if they want to go to any of your events? What is that like and, uh, and where are they usually held? And also, do you have meditations or things on your website to, that people can employ to, to help them get into that, start to begin to get into that healing space? Those are good questions. So first question is, if you would like to contact me, it's best by email at info at awakenthehealerwithin.live. And if you would like to see my YouTube show, go to moderndayshaman.us, which is kind of a fun lifestyle brand I'm creating to show that anybody can be a shaman if you learn how. And so I'm kind of making it like 
showing you my behind the scenes of a fashion line I started called Which Sacred Medicine. We didn't get to talk about on this interview. It's okay. It's okay. I'm healing people through art and they can yep. put on my jackets and feel good about themselves. And it's that simple, but uh, it's sacredmedicinewear.com, moderndayshaman.us. You know, they're all interlinked so you can find me. Um, and the, I think that was another, uh, where to see me speak. So you can watch me speak online. I have many things planned. Uh, there's nothing public right now that anybody can go to, but I'm in the, it's in the works. I'm also going to be doing some interviews, live interviews with people where they can do active healing sessions where people can see how I help people walk them through stages. Um, that I'm going to be filming soon. I also, I did have one meditation I did years ago. It's still out there swimming around somewhere. Uh, but it's just a deep meditation to help you fall asleep. But I, uh, after you're giving me this idea right now, I should probably do some, some meditations, uh, to help people go into that. A lot of people are like, you know, they go to all these different meditation modalities and they say, you know, my monkey mind and my, this and my that. And I think that it feels to me like you would have some really. Yeah, I would love to. Meditations within you that could also. You know, I'd like people to check out my husband. Um, he's a very, very, you know, amazing healer. He's a, a world-renowned trans channel. His name is Riz Mirza, R-I-Z-W, sorry, <laughs> I can't even spell right now, R-I-Z-M-I-R-Z-A, Riz Mirza. He's Indian, and that's what, why the name, <laughs> and he's, uh, and he is fantastic. There's so many things going on. You can go to his page. And he does sessions and he does uh, workshops and channeling sessions in Santa Monica and different places. He's traveled a lot doing his sessions. We do uh, quarterly retreats to Egypt and India and um, Ireland. And we do spiritual retreats all the time with groups of 10 to 20 people where he channels at each location. And um, it's really profound. He also has an amazing book called... Uh, the nine keys. Am I forgetting the name of his book right now? Oh my goodness. Yeah. The nine keys and he channels nine spirit guides that absolutely will blow your socks off. I cannot stop reading it. I've read it so many times over and over. It just came out and there's all these links. Everything is available on our websites. And, um, you know, honestly, we're just starting to come out now. We've been kind of underground for 10 years doing deep, deep work. And now we're starting to do the whole branding, marketing, pushing thing. And so that's why if you go out, you'll see a lot of things that we're doing, uh, but it's, it's going to get bigger. So there's more and more coming. Oh, you have, yeah. there's no doubt about, about it to me. And here is my last question for today, for today. Yes. What is your tip for finding joy in life? And what do you surrender to? That you're here on the planet, whatever that means, that you are in your body, that you are a child of God, that you have love that you can have it all and that you are a creator surrender to the idea of that surrender to that there's more just surrender because when you surrender it's like opening your fist you can open your fist to receive more if you have a fist closed you can't receive anything if your fist is open you can receive so when you open and surrender and just lay all the weapons down and you just let go for five minutes every day i used to start at five minutes i used to do increments I used to have five seconds, then I'd go see if I could keep it to five minutes, then I'd go to five hours, five days, five years, and here I am later. Just keep that door open. Why would you want to close it? Just keep the doors open. Keep those wings open, spread those wings out, 
let yourself feel the goodness of life. And the reason why I, you know, I, I, I kept my personality, which is, you know, to some people, they may not think is very airy fairy. Some, some spiritual people get a frown on their face when they listen to me. They, I'm a little too rough for them, but can I tell you, I do it this way because I want to go into those areas. I want to go to where people are cynical, where people are over it, where people are numb, where people are disgusted and disturbed and pissed off. And nobody wants to hear airy fairy. They've seen too much pain. They've seen too much horror. They don't care anymore. Those are the people I want to talk to because I'm like, yeah, I totally agree with you. All of that is true. And there's more. And there's more. And there's more, and there's more, and there's more, and there's more. And I'll show you how, I'll show you where, here's what I discovered. Come take a look and we'll, I can all enjoy this together. So I am, a, I am for a very particular person. I'm for the people who want to believe, but don't know how they can. It's, they feel too far gone. Like it's not for them. Like well, this life passed them by. It's a big world and we're all connected because you, you, you can help. A specific type of person. It's a specific type of person. Look, I love those soft-spoken, beautiful, angelic healers just as like anyone else. Believe me, I love them with my entire heart and soul. And I have been to their events. They were beautiful. I, I tried it. I did. I did. I did try. I put the gowns on. I did put the long goddess dresses. I put glitter on my skin. There, I live in LA. Like I did the whole thing and I just couldn't. I couldn't keep it there because the work I'm doing is so intense. The people that come to me are so intense that they don't want to see a gown. They just want life. They want real life. They want real facts. They want to know I made it. Mm -hmm. So I've, I suited to them straight and that's why it works. And that's, and so, you know, that's just the style and that's why it works for trauma. Trauma life coaching requires deep, introspective communication without fear that's why that's why all this happened to you because not everyone can go where you can go no and i in the past i didn't know why i thought anybody could be a trauma life coach but then i realized wait what am i talking about just like georgette not everybody can go into a foster system and talk to somebody like you know and not anybody can do what you do irene and 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 go past what you've had to 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 evolve past like no you know, not everybody can walk in each other's shoes, but like, you know, when somebody is doing deep, powerful work, I feel it. Like I cried when I got on the phone with you because I felt it. I was like, well, we got a real one here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> powerful, powerful. And you know how many listeners are out there that have this ability? Well, that's you know, the one thing we haven't mentioned, the one thing we haven't mentioned, I want to mention this one thing uh-huh. before we go, is that we all come from the family of one. There's oneness and we, we can never forget that because what that means is, you know, if you're listening and you feel like you can't relate to me or you can't relate to Irene, it doesn't mean that we're separate from each other. We're still one. If you need a different type of teacher or if you think I'm the only type of teacher, it doesn't matter who else is, is out there teaching. It's all oneness. We're all in it together. Even the people you don't like, even the, the political structure, if you don't like it, even in any structure, like, you know, the sex trafficking and all the horrible things that are going on in the world, you know, that stuff has been going on since the beginning of time. Women have been kidnapped since the beginning of time in every culture around the world. We're just exposing it now. Everybody's like, oh my God, what's going on? They're stealing our girls. They've been stealing our girls since the tribal people in the caves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not new. 
this is the oldest thing in the world. This is probably the first crime against humanity we've ever committed, ever, is that. So what we're doing is exposing it. So it's just your mindset. But it's all one. We're all in it together. We're all here to help each other illuminate and help each other see and help each other grow and help each other feel. I hope today there was somebody that got moved today. I hope somebody was brought to tears. I hope somebody felt that they have an opportunity to be different. They had an opportunity to be bigger and more loving to themselves and others, to be more received, to be softer and more gentle to themselves so that they can be seen and heard easier by other people. Can it's I, okay to change. It's okay to change. And that is it's really okay to the change. bottom line. It's okay to change. You have an opportunity okay. to be different. Uh, Araya, yeah. this has been a, an incredible, wonderful interview. And I know we're much love to you, Irene. Talking um, again, and you are the I would love to of grief and rebirth because this is the whole. Um, well, I would love to come back on your show, and I have. You know, we could talk about a lot of very specific topics, you know, and stick to one area. But I would love to come back on your show if your listeners are interested. I would love to talk about more in depth. Also, if they have questions, they can write in, and I can answer questions of any kind. That's great. Well, you know, I invite our listeners to um, see our full show notes and the Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on ivyweinberg.com. And on ivyweinberg.com, everyone can get on and contact us. And if you have a message about this show or you have a message for Araya, please say it, do it, put it in an email or whatever through the um through the site and also you can they can do it all of you can do it through social media so you that's can right us on social at, at irene s weinberg on instagram facebook and twitter make your comments let us know you can get on orion site if i had get any comments i will share them with, with you orion and i'm sure vice versa but we'd love to absolutely hear from everyone orion absolutely you are profound your story of healing is Thank profound. You. um i love how you're paying it forward by helping and guiding others to heal and become healers themselves. And it's an understatement to say thank you so much for this really touching and incredibly inspiring interview on Grief and Rebirth podcast today. Thank, thank you, you so every much. Oh, my, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And as I like to say, to be continued, many blessings, <laughs> and bye for now.